0: It's already been requested that we just watch the rest of that for the sermon, but you, yeah, so yeah, it's perfect sermon link, so you can go home. That whole thing is available on YouTube as the whole clip. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's worth watching, especially if you're a fan of, of the Beatles or, or Paul McCartney. Uh, but before I say a little bit more about that, our kids are headed out for Children's Church, so they're headed out that way. If you've got some of that age group, they're headed in that direction, and of course, we've got um, the, the nursery over there and the cry room in the back as well. Um, so, what a surreal moment for, for James Corden in that clip, right, to, to have this memory of your grandfather playing you that song and saying, I want you to hear the, the, the best song that, that's been written, and then you have this moment years later where you're, you're in the car with Paul McCartney singing that song. Uh, it had to just be incredibly surreal, uh, and, and I love the story behind that song that in this time of, and he says, it kind of as you heard in that, that video, that the song came from this time of trouble that he was literally going through in his life, um, and he has this dream where his mom, whose name was Mary, comes to him and just says, Paul, let it, let it be, let it be. Uh, and so later on in the sermon, we're going to hear uh, a similar sentiment from Jesus, um, where Jesus... Uh, actually, quotes Paul McCartney um, for, for in advance. <laughs> Says John, John, just let it, let it be. That's coming later. We'll come back to that, though. Um, but first of all, so we're, we're going to continue our, our series on, on gratitude this morning, and and so uh, we will actually be out of town. Next week, um, we, we had a, a trip to New Mexico planned for the summer that Ashley ruined at Starbucks. And so, she's not in here, so I can say that. <laughs> but it's nice, so now we don't have to go in the heat, we're going in the fall. Uh, so we'll be there um, next weekend uh, on some time away. And so I, I thought, since we are kind of been thinking about gratitude, I know that we've both said this several times, but we, we are so grateful uh, for this church and, and for all of you and for the ways you've supported and encouraged us through this process uh, in, in um, dealing with, with Ashley's recovery. And, and you will, uh, you'll probably never know the many ways that you have supported and encouraged us and, and lifted us up, not only in tangible ways through food and childcare and, and, and taking care of other needs, but just our, our spirits and, and emotions and, uh, and everything else that you have, have helped encourage and support us, uh, support us through. And so we are incredibly uh, grateful uh, for all of you and, and to have the opportunity to be a part of this loving uh, and caring community of people. Uh, also along the lines of, of gratitude, uh, one of the things that, that, you know, one of our elders at the end of our service will, will typically make some reference of how grateful we, we are to have such a, a gifted group. Of, of worshipers to lead us in worship every, every Sunday we come here. And it is, it is a gift uh, to each of us. And I think you, you experienced that this morning, um, even as, as they welcomed an, a new voice up here, at least, in Jason, as, as Chris said, and it, how, how amazing it sounds for them and, and, and as they lead us in worship. And, and Chris uh, has been uh, the, the lead of that and, and has been the catalyst of that uh, for a long time here at the Vine. How long have you been leading worship here, Chris? Ten years. Uh, ten years without any sort of extended break, I think, probably in that time. Uh, and so uh, what we're going to do for about the, for the next month or so, Chris is going to have a break. Because <laughs> uh, I and, and we as leadership, uh, we think that there is value in, in rest and in renewal and sabbatical. Um, and so this isn't something that, that Chris... Asked for, um, but but something that we see value in. We're not also we're not telling him that he's got to go either. <laughs> this is this is value in rest and and renewal uh, and sabbatical. And so for the next four weeks, uh, Jim uh, Huddleston is going to be leading us in worship as Chris kind of has some some time to take a break. Um, but but I am am certainly grateful for the work that Chris puts into it, for the work that all of our our, our worship team puts into leading us in worship. Uh, Because it takes not only musical ability and talent and giftedness, um, but it takes a lot to lead a group of people in worship every week. Um, When no matter what has gone on in your week or where you are, you've got to come lead a group of people in worship to God and have something from within you to offer. Uh, That takes a lot and to do that over an extended period of time. And so, Chris, I'm grateful for you and your spirit in that. And so, Chris, if you'll come up here real quick, we just want to recognize you and, and, and thank you for what you do. We appreciate you. I, I dressed up for you. Yeah. So, Chris. <laughs> it looks like getaway day for Chris. He's in a T-shirt. He's just like, I'm going to be off the next four weeks. Actually, it was really hot in here this morning, and so Chris, Chris got down to the, to the T-shirt. So we're supporting Miller's Barbecue this morning and just uh, all that. Okay. Uh, let, me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into to our sermon for today. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the ways that you work within us, uh, that you provide for us, that you care for us, that you surround us with, with community and love. Uh, We thank you for the opportunity to come here today and to pour out our hearts uh, and our voices to you in worship. Uh, God, would you uh, help us to see all the ways that you are working within our lives, um, and and may that lead to a sense of gratitude within us that pulls us closer to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be in Luke 17 this morning. Luke 17, as I said, I'll be gone next week, and so I typically, um, for at least all the years that I have been preaching, which is like four now, all of four, (laughs) Uh, I've done this text uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving every year, because for me, it is uh, a good annual reminder of how easy it is to forget to say thank you. Um, it is, it's just, it's easy for us to do. Um, if you take the stats from this story, 90% of people don't do it very well. <laughs> and I think maybe we could say 90% of the time, we just, we don't think about it. Maybe we think about it in the big things or, or maybe we, we do in moments, but how often do we, do we forget to say thank you or simply not take the time to do it? Uh, I also love it because there are so many aspects of this story uh, to look at, and so we're not going to talk about every aspect of the story this morning. If you want to dig into some of the, the other kind of parts of it, you can come join us for conversation in our, our class uh, after, after worship. We'll have our group that meets in the, in the fellowship hall. I think Dave Moorhead is scheduled to start uh, a new study. Uh, are you starting one this morning, Dave? What are y'all, y'all going to be talking about today, Dave? God. All right. There you go. So... We have cohesiveness across our classes. That's good. So is going to be talking about God. We'll be talking about this story, and you can can pick which one of those you want to go to. Um, So you can come to that class, or you can just come back next year before Thanksgiving, and we'll talk about a different aspect of this story. Uh, But I think it's it's a great story. So Luke 17, picking up in verse 11. uh, It says, On his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So at the beginning of this story, there are ten lepers who see Jesus. And they call out to him in a loud voice, but they have to, to cry out from a distance. Because they are unclean. Uh, For these ten men, their leprosy and and the uncleanliness that was associated with that uh, necessitates that they stay at a distance, not only from Jesus, but from anyone who would be clean. Uh, As a leper, you had to live isolated from, from the life that you had before leprosy. And you even had to call out, unclean, unclean, if anyone approached you. And so you can imagine the effect that this might have on your psyche, right? If this is now how you are defined, you are defined now solely as someone who is unclean and unable to be in the presence of anyone who is clean. And so they cry out to God, they they call out to Jesus in a loud voice, but they have to do so from a distance. Later... After all of them are healed, we are told that one of the men saw that he was healed. Uh, And I think there's an important distinction there that all ten are cleansed, but we are told, uh, we are only told at least, that one of them saw that he was healed, and when he saw he was healed, he returned. The question about God's activity in our lives is not a question of, is he or is he not active? Is he or is he or not at work in my life, active in my life, present in my life? The question that we must ask is, do I see the ways in which God is working in my life? Do I recognize, am I aware, do I acknowledge God's work within me? Um, This is why Jesus says things like, do you have Eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear. Or whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Uh, Of course, he's not asking a question about our literal eyes and ears, right? But this idea that that some people are going to have the wisdom, the discernment uh, to see and hear the activity of God. Not everyone, though, has ears to hear and eyes to see. But one former leper in this story saw that he was healed. And so upon seeing this, he not only recognizes the work of God in his life, but he also acknowledges that, that because of this recognition, there is an immediate need to go back to Jesus and, th- and say thank you. Uh, everything else in that moment is going to have to wait and be put on pause so that he can go back and thank Jesus for what he has done. And again, you can imagine, that means putting on Paul's some important stuff for someone who has been isolated for community, who is now clean. uh, There's a lot of thoughts going through your head about all the stuff you want to get back to, but this guy says, no, before I go and keep on that path, I need to go back to Jesus and say, thank you. And so immediately, (coughs) he returns to Jesus, praising him in a loud voice. Uh, It's the same designation that's given to the group of the ten lepers earlier. Earlier, we have this group of ten who are calling out in a loud voice. And now we have this one Samaritan who returns crying out in a loud voice. Uh, Earlier in the story, the volume of his voice was necessary because of the distance that he had to keep between himself and Jesus because of his uncleanliness. But now the volume of his voice is necessary because it expresses his jubilation and gratitude and joy. And the only thing he can do is come back and cry out in a loud voice, Thank you, Jesus. And so he returns crying out in this loud voice and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. So we find in this story... A group and then an individual from that group approaching Jesus. Uh, The group of ten at the beginning stands at a distance, but the one who saw his healing, this Samaritan as it were, doesn't remain at a distance. Instead, he comes and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. Uh, and again, I, I think it's, it's worth noting that there isn't a difference in the volume of their calling out to Jesus. Uh, both of them are calling out to Jesus. If you were just hearing their calling out to Jesus, it may sound the same. Both cry out in a loud voice. But while Jesus confirms in his rhetorical question uh, back to the group that all ten were cleansed, he bestows an additional blessing on the one who came back proclaiming in a loud voice, but also falling at Jesus' feet. To this man, he says, your faith has made you well. It's a different word. For the rest of them, he says, we're not all ten cleansed. But then for this guy, he says, your faith has made you well. Uh, And so I want us to imagine something this morning. Uh, Because we we are gathered here today, um, and part of our purpose in gathering here is to literally call out to God right? We, we lift our voices to God in, in song. Um, you may have been calling out in a loud voice. You may have been calling out in a quiet voice. You may have been calling out only with an internal voice because maybe you didn't want to sing this morning or weren't in a place where you spiritually could sing this morning. I don't know. But, but we come here to call out to God, right? In a very literal sense and also in a spiritual uh, kind of metaphorical And so beyond our literal voices, those of us who gather for worship on Sunday mornings are in some way calling out to God. Uh, Whether we are doing so here or in some part of our lives, I'm going to guess that if you have chosen to be here for worship on a Sunday morning, some part of you is calling out to God in some way. But just like the group of ten lepers at the beginning of this story, Uh, I think there are times that we also call out to God from a distance. That there may be some of us who who always feel as if Jesus is is somewhat distant. Uh, Maybe that's because you're a new Christian and and you don't feel this closeness to Jesus yet. Or maybe you're a Christian who is wrestling with uh, with doubts, with questions, and, and Jesus feels like he's always kind of an arm's length away. Uh, or maybe for you, your distance between you and Jesus is, is situational or, or seasonal. And, and it comes and goes. And there are moments when you, when, when you feel as if Jesus is just right there next to you and he's so close that it feels like a, this tangible uh, relationship and, and there is closeness and connection. But then there comes that long day or, or a wrong turn or, or something comes up with, with family or at work. You get out of your routine, and, and now Jesus feels far away. For some, like the lepers in our story this morning, uh, our distance from Jesus may be a result of, of aspects of our life that are in need of, of redemption or cleaning. Because uh, like I said, I, th- I think there are, there are times when all of us feel this sort of distance between us and God. And, and maybe we are still calling out to God in a loud voice while at a distance, but, but there, there are different things that, that create this distance between us and God. And so for some of us, maybe it is something in our life that needs redeeming or needs cleaning, just like the lepers in our story. Uh, some of those things that, that may keep us at a distance may be things like pride, uh, that, that pride can, can cause us to keep Jesus at a distance because, really, I, I, I've kind of got this on my own. Uh, at the extremes of, of pride, pride says, I don't need a savior. Uh, I have no need for a savior. I'm, I'm doing pretty well on my own. Uh, but more subtly, godly kind of pride, if we will, or Christian pride, sometimes looks like us believing that, you know, if, if I can just get everything right, I'll be able to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, kind of that Western, modern American mentality, right? If I can just get things right and do things by my own pride, I believe that I can pull myself up and get it together and my formation is based on, on me. Uh, sometimes the thing that needs to be, to be remedied or, or cleaned or redeemed in our lives may be some, some form of, of apathy or spiritual laziness, we might even say. We probably wouldn't want to call it that, but if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that's what it is. Uh, because it's possible for us to have every appearance of looking like a, a good Christian, and always keep Jesus just an arm's length away, right? Uh, I can show up here on Sunday mornings, I can, I can sing the songs, I can do all of it. Uh, I can have every appearance that I am calling out to Jesus in a loud voice, while all the while making sure Jesus is just far enough away <laughs> that I don't really get a lot of his message and ministry and purpose on me, Right? Uh, Jesus, I'm going to call it to you a loud voice, but, but I don't really want to look at certain aspects of my life. <laughs> there are certain things I want to hold on to. There are certain parts of me that I want to leave unexamined. Uh, that life that Jesus calls me to in his gospel sounds hard and difficult and time-consuming. Uh, and so, you know, kind of as the, the student who asked the teacher on the test, what do I have to know to, to pass? Jesus, what's the, what's, what do I have to do to to get enough of you to get into heaven, but can still keep it a little bit of a distance to where it really doesn't cost me much, right? Uh, that can look like spiritual laziness or apathy, and it's something that needs to be redeemed or cleaned up in our lives. Uh, or for, for some, it is simply unexamined sin. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that most of us have had the experience of sitting in a worship service knowing there is something that that is that I am allowing to continue in my life that shouldn't be there. Uh, maybe it's something I, I, I did yesterday. Maybe it's an ongoing issue or internal uh, kind of uh, greed or pride or, or anger that, that comes out in unhealthy ways. Maybe it's a habit that I can't kick. Maybe it's something that I keep falling back into, and I know it's there, but I haven't been able to get rid of it. And it keeps Jesus then at a distance. I can come here and I can call out to God in a loud voice and I can look to the rest of you like everything is fine. But Jesus is always a little bit at a distance. Uh, so there are certain aspects that may need to be redeemed or cleaned up that are in need of Jesus' healing work and power in order for us to be drawn closer to Jesus. On the other hand, Sometimes it is our perceived uncleanliness that keeps us at a distance, that we may feel or act or behave as though we are unclean, and only bring, uh, and bring ourselves to call out from a distance as a result of that. Uh, so perhaps our perceived uncleanliness is, is connected to shame related to past behavior, or some envisioned weakness that we feel like we have, or, or ineptitude that we feel about ourselves. Or maybe we struggle with an inability to to measure up to some undefined marker of success or spirituality or moral goodness, and so we believe ourselves to be unclean. Those are lenses through which we see ourselves that can come with any number of assorted frames around them, depending on our unique insecurities and misgivings. But when I am looking at Jesus through a set of those lenses, I tend to want to keep some distance between me and him. And so when I feel in my spirit Jesus approaching or things kind of getting a little too real, uh, I have a tendency to call out unclean, unclean. Or maybe more appropriately than in those situations to call out unworthy, unworthy. And it causes us to stay at a distance. Uh, there's a story in Matthew uh, that you, you may know well where, where Jesus uh, comes to, to the waters where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and he's listening to John the Baptist, and then he comes uh, kind of out of the crowd, and he asks John the Baptist to baptize him. And John says, no, 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 I can't do that. <laughs> uh, who am I to baptize you? which is a response that I think we can all probably relate to, right? If Jesus comes to you and says, hey, I want you to baptize me, like, oh, wait, 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 no, I'm, I'm not worthy of that, right? That's basically what John is saying. In fact, right before this, in the same scene, the same kind of scene at the river, when John is preaching, what he says to the crowd is, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. So he has just proclaimed that to this crowd. Then Jesus comes out. He says, all right, I want you to baptize me. And I can just hear John internally like, didn't you hear what I just said? Like, <laughs> dude, I'm not carrying your sandals. You think, I want, you think I'm going to baptize you? No. And what Jesus says back to him is, is, I think, incredibly fascinating. And I've never paid attention to it much, but I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago where a preacher um, talked about this, this one phrase. So I'm borrowing this part uh, from, from someone else. Uh, but it was really meaningful to me, and, and I think it fits well with what we're talking about this, this morning. Uh, that, that Jesus says something back to him, again, that I think kind of it loses some of its punch in, in our English version, unfortunately. Uh, I think it may have some added punch to it from the words of Paul McCartney this morning, as I said, as we come back to Paul McCartney. But so, so Jesus, uh, so John, he, he resists. He says, no, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not not worthy enough to do that. And so Jesus says back to him, the NIV translates it this way, Let it be so now. There's those words. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, I've always just kind of read over that because it doesn't sound that grand or or kind of impactful. Um, But if you focus on that first part, let it be so now. Uh, The Greek word that we get that phrase from is the word aphiamy, which is a word that is actually used a lot in the New Testament. Uh, It's just this is the only time it shows up as that phrase. Usually, when this word is used in the New Testament, it is translated as leave or forgive. It connotes the imagery of leaving something behind or sending something away or letting something go or letting something be. Just let it be. Uh, So Jesus tells John, John, I want you to baptize me. John says, nope, I'm not worthy enough to do that. You have to find someone else. And Jesus says, John, you need to let that go. You need to take that off. You need to let that be. Uh, Some of us are wearing around our own perceived unworthiness like a garment. And we need to take it off because all it's doing is keeping Jesus at a distance. Godly humility is not about finding ourselves unworthy of love or purpose or connection to Jesus. Godly humility is about living into our purpose and giftedness from a recognition that the God of creation loves us and has equipped each of us individually and with power for service in his kingdom. And you can call out to God from a distance or from the feet of Jesus. But the relationship that Jesus calls us to is to let all of that other stuff go and come and fall at his feet. In scripture, leprosy can actually refer to a wide variety of skin diseases. Uh, They just all kind of get lumped into into leprosy. No, no pun intended with lump, but they can get all kind of lumped into uh, this. This uh, <laughs> I see some cringes there, but <laughs> the pun was intended. Um, they can all kind of get fall under this umbrella of leprosy, uh, but it could play out as any number of specific defiling skin diseases. Uh, and similarly, the things that keep us at a distance may have common terms like pride or sin or apathy or insecurity. But they manifest themselves differently within each of us. But the Samaritan in our story this morning helps us to see that it is gratitude that brings us to the feet of Jesus. It's gratitude that brings us back to him. It's gratitude that pulls us from standing at a distance to falling at the feet of Jesus. That's what pulls the Samaritan back. He, he realizes, I've got to go back and say thank you. And when he does, he doesn't stand at a distance anymore. He falls at his feet because the response of gratitude and, and praise to Jesus leaves him with no other choice but to cry out, still in a loud voice, but now at the feet of Jesus. It's gratitude that humbles my pride while eroding my insecurities. Because a grateful view of Jesus leaves no room for me to assume that I have accomplished my standing before God of my own doing. But it also leaves me with no doubt that my standing before God is secure because of the work of Jesus. And so for those things, we simply cry out to Jesus, thank you. It's gratitude that strengthens me enough to deal with my own sin while also empowering me to overcome my apathy Because a grateful view of Jesus and what he has done for me calls me to embrace the newness of life in him and this new creation that he has called me to be. And it challenges me to take up my own cross and follow him because it is what I have seen him do for me. So there's a well-known psalm uh, that was actually read last week at the beginning of our, our time of worship last week from Psalm 100 that includes this verse. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Uh, and I've always kind of read that verse as, as though entering his gates with thanksgiving um, is, is, the way, is the way I'm supposed to be acting as we enter into the gates, which I think makes sense and is, is probably the main gist of that verse. Uh, but I think you can also read it in a way... That, that communicates that thanksgiving is actually the means through which we enter into the presence of God. It is what brings us from a distance to the feet of Jesus. That thanksgiving is not only the mode of operation as we enter his gates, but it is also the method through which we enter. Uh, that, that certainly it is, it is the, the blood and the life of Christ that opens up uh, that opportunity for us, but that we enter into that by recognizing what God has done for us in the person, the ministry, uh, and the message of Jesus. And in gratitude of that, we come through his greats with thanksgiving and fall at his feet. Uh, Eugene Peterson translates that verse in Psalm 100 this way, enter with the password, thank you that thank you is the word through which we come before him and say, I recognize what you, done, what you have done for me. I have seen it. I recognize that, that, that the goodness in my life is not something simply of my own doing and making. I recognize that you are at work within, within me. Um, and I recognize that that demands a response. It demands, uh, it, it, it compels me to live differently in response to what you have done for me. And, and gratitude is what fuels all of that. Uh, and so each Sunday, we remember that door that has been opened up through us, through the blood, the ministry, the, the person of Jesus. Uh, we remember it in song and through scripture, and we remember it by the taking of communion. Uh, and in communion each Sunday, we, we are reminded of the work that Jesus has done for us. And we are challenged to see anew each Sunday the work and the cleansing power of God through Jesus in our lives. Uh, And so as we sing this morning and prepare uh, our hearts, our thoughts uh, for the Lord's Supper, may we look within us and see what God has done. And may we be challenged to think about what that calls for us as a response, whether it is renewed thanksgiving and gratitude, whether it is, is taking the next step in our faith, whatever that is, and plunging deeper into Christ. Uh, Maybe that is putting Christ on in baptism. Maybe it is uh, doing what is necessary to pull Jesus closer to me. Uh, Whatever it may be, uh, would God give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we stand and sing together this morning and then as we share in communion together. So let's sing.
1: I fail, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble on? You will above all else Still my purpose remains The art of losing my
0: standing and pray our prayer of confession uh, together before we share in communion this morning. I'll pray the parts in white, and together well, we'll pray the parts in yellow. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now.